Pig X, Ideas in the Swine Industry Worth Sharing. Join extension specialists and swine industry experts as they engage in conversations aimed to help producers succeed in raising healthy pigs. Welcome to Episode 7 of the Pig X Podcast. I'm your host, Delaney Howell. I'm sure we've all heard quotes like, you don't build a business, you build people, and then people build a business. Or, great things in business are never done by one person, they're done by a team of people. It's quotes like these that set us up to understand the importance of today's episode, the people factor. Finding good employees or team members can be extremely difficult, especially as labor becomes scarcer and scarcer in rural America. But as today's guests share, people can make or break an operation. Ken Stalder, professor at Iowa State University, and Valerie Duttlinger, chief analytics officer for Summit Smart Farms, both agree that in their line of work, people are essential. But don't worry, you don't have to take my word for it. Before we dive into talking about people, let's get a quick background on Ken and Valerie. I'm a professor at Iowa State University. I have a three-way appointment, uh, extension, teaching, and research. Um, So I get to do a little bit of everything. Um, I've been at Iowa State since 2003, so uh, just past my 17-year anniversary. Prior to that, I spent eight years at the University of Tennessee. So I've been in the business now since obtaining my PhD for over 25 years. And um, before that, um, I worked for a large uh, feed company in Northeast Iowa. It was a Land O'Lakes cooperative. And I did that for three years after receiving my BS at Iowa State and decided to go on to get my master's at Western Kentucky came back to Iowa State to get my PhD in animal breeding and genetics. I've got a minor in immunobiology, but uh, I think the biology part really helps you uh, understand the pig at a much much better level uh, than maybe what you ordinarily get. But most of my career has been focused on sow productivity, sow traits specifically, sow longevity, sow productive lifetime, and related genetic and management issues that pork producers need to have some focus on in order to uh, make their operation more profitable. I grew up on a seed stock farm in southern Indiana. We had uh, purebred York and Landrace growing up, as well as some Durox, and then we're making some F1 gilts for commercial producers in the area. Went to Purdue and got a degree in animal science and returned to the family farm for about 15 years and had a stint at Wine Management Services out of Fremont, Nebraska, and then took my current role with Summit Smart Farms in October of this past year. When we work to hire help for our swine systems, prior experience is always great to have, but has increasingly become more difficult to find as we see less folks grow up on farms. However, as Valerie and Ken point out, there are many factors to look at besides prior experience when trying to hire employees to help out your operation. Let's kick it off to my conversation with Ken and Valerie now. You know, it wasn't all that long ago when producers really required previous livestock experience, and that's certainly something that is no longer possible today. And so 
really to find key employees that are going to stand the test of time. It's about making sure that you're hiring for the right cultural fit and form. Patrick Lencioni is an author, and he writes about the ideal team player in one of his books, and he advocates for hiring people that are humble, hungry, and smart. And by that, he means humble people share credit and emphasize the team over themselves. Hungry people are going to be self-motivated and constantly thinking about what's next. And smart isn't about intelligence, but instead about intuition and understanding the impact of their words on the actions of others. And so if you look for those three things when hiring people, it will help identify people that are willing to learn and develop the skills that they need to be successful in their job without previous livestock experience. And are there different skills or needs for hiring on a sow farm compared to a wean to finish or a conventional grow finish operation? You know, I don't know that those skills are really much different, but certainly the type of work is different. And uh, from a personality style standpoint, I think there are better personalities suited for one role or the other. And for people with no experience in pig production, I think it's really hard for them to even fathom how different those roles really are, even within the same industry. And, you know, you've worked in the swine industry for a long time. In your experience, how have people either hindered or helped a swine system grow or maybe not flourish? Wow, that's a great question. Um, You know, I think the people that really help their organizations grow are lifelong learners. They are constantly wanting to learn new and different ways to improve or to become more efficient in what they do. And a little bit of a visionary that's always interested in what technology is coming and what are the newest uh, research reports coming out saying that they should be trying to implement on their farms. And Ken, in your experience, you work obviously more on the research and academic side of things. What do you see as far as the people aspect of the swine industry? That's uh, interesting in the fact that it's changed quite a lot over the years. Used to be that most of our animal science students coming through had at least some experience with livestock. And I'd say the vast majority of them today have little to no livestock experience before coming to the university. And we try to give them as much experience as we can. And they're responsible for getting a lot of that early training in their collegiate career through internships and that kind of thing today where they uh, you know that was probably not as much of a requirement 10-15 years ago but one of the things I think that having students with not as much experience they've not been able to develop those livestock skills skills with working with animals to the degree that many students have had in the past so I think those are the big big differences. And you touched a little bit on it but how has curriculum changed to be more encompassing of training folks and making things more hands-on than maybe it was in the past? Well, for one thing, we started adding things like animal handling courses. Also added more courses that deal with actual production earlier, much earlier in the curriculum than we did in years past so that they get more of this hands-on experience earlier in their career at the college level. 
What specific skills do you see, Ken, as needed for people to be successful stock people and to improve pig survivability on any different types of farms? Well, I try to stress to students that there are three, really three skills that are, that are necessary for a person to be successful in raising stock or be a good stock person. The first one is that they've got to have keen observation skills. They must, you know, notice everything in their surroundings when they go into a pig building. This not only is using their sight, but also their smell, their hearing, all of those things. So you can look for problems, you can observe them, you might be hearing them, for example, more coughs, more sneezes, those types of things when you walk into a barn, or maybe it's just noticing a distinct odor that baby pig scours might have when walking into a farrowing room. So those keen observation skills are just an absolute. Then the second thing I think is is to have a little knowledge. So once you've identified a problem through either the any of your senses, that you know what to do about that problem to try to fix it or try to minimize its impact. So that might be as simple as, as telling the manager what you saw or telling a veterinarian what you observed, or it may actually be that you actually recognize an animal that's in distress and provide treatment immediately uh, in some way. And then the last thing that's a requirement is what I call an action attitude, because it's easy to put things off today. And a lot of times we have a very narrow window where we can successfully treat an animal. And so any delay in that treatment can mean the difference in having a successful outcome and a not so successful. So the example I like to use is it's quitting time at the farrowing house, three o'clock in the afternoon, most people go home and there's a sow struggling to have her pigs. So do you stay, stay there and maybe sleeve that sow, spend the extra time that day? Or do you go, ah, oh, well, we'll see how she's doing in the morning. And it's that good stockman that really sticks around and makes sure that that sow successfully farrows that litter. So the three points in short then are um, good observation skills, a knowledge base to know what to do once you identify a problem, and then that action attitude. And this is a question I think for both of you, but how do you work with folks to I guess, brace that connection or bridge that connection, I should say, between learning things in the classroom, maybe a little bit of hands-on experience, and then actually getting out and working in the swine industry. I'll start with that, I guess. Uh, one of the things we encourage students is to take as many internships as possible during their collegiate career. And that's as much to find out maybe what they don't like to do as what they like to do. So I always tell students that there's no bad outcome for an internship. So if you learn something that, hey, I got out there, did this for a summer, and hey, that's not really what I want to do, that's a good thing. Just as good as, oh, I took a summer internship and I absolutely loved it. Both are successful. So from my perspective, you know, we really work with producers to make sure that um, when they hire somebody that they're getting them on board. 
appropriately and providing the right training for them to be able to do their jobs effectively. And so much of that occurs in the moment and on the job. And so just trying to make that as easy and seamless as possible um, for the producers to implement to help keep those new hires engaged. And for those folks that went to school or maybe they didn't, but they grew up on a farm, they had knowledge at one point in time, but they maybe now need to brush up on that knowledge or, you know, things are always changing in the industry. What resources are out there to help those folks obtain further education and training, if you will? Yeah, so I think they should always seek out training materials from the company they work for first, because um, in today's industry, we all do um, the same jobs, but we have a little bit different way that we approach a lot of them. And so certainly that's always the best avenue. Um, And there's certainly an opportunity for many companies to update their SOPs um, to make them a little more barn friendly um, instead of pages full of words, uh, providing some pictures or some decision trees to help the employees make better decisions as they're uh, learning and also having a reference for them to be able to go back and look at. Um, But there's also the people that are entering the workforce today. They've always been able to turn to the internet for instant information. And YouTube has been their friend um, as they've wanted to learn how to do anything. And so it's important, you know, that the companies are meeting those needs, but if they aren't, people are going to turn to the internet and seek out information, which may be good or it may hurt uh, the actual culture and workplace performance. Yeah, some of the places I'd suggest that Valerie's absolutely right on identifying the company you work for, their materials first, but there are a lot of materials out there for uh, students and those that might not be in a job right at the moment. Uh, and that might be from the National Pork Board. Uh, their state pork offices might have a, uh, be able to distribute a lot of that as well. And you can find a wealth of material online. And then I'm old-fashioned. I like books. And certainly there are a lot of, uh, of books out there on just basic pig management that I think do a good job covering the basics. So Valerie, I'll direct this question at you, but when you look at pig survivability, that's what this whole project is about. How can we, or what can we do to improve mortality rates among different phases of production? What examples can you talk about that demonstrate the need for better information to improve pig survivability? Oh, great question. Uh, You know, I can recall a time I was in a sow farm and there was a group of workers and we were all standing around a farrowing crate talking And there was one pig that was trying to nurse while everybody else was sleeping. And when I asked the group to identify, you know, what's the problem in this crate? There was only one person that could identify that that one pig that was trying to nurse while everybody else was sleeping was falling behind. And that was the manager. And so it's times like that when you see this gap in information um, transfer. And so that's not necessarily something that you teach people the first day, but just because they've been with the company for a while doesn't mean that there's not continuing education that needs to happen and um, work that needs to be done to continue to reinforce maybe things that they did learn early, but they were a little bit on overload with everything that was being thrown at them. And Ken, what examples can you share or address that also address that same question? To me, it really goes back to 
I guess the point Valerie brought out there is there's too many times on farms where you go back and I don't know whether the workers get what I kind of call barn blind because they're in the barn every day, but it really helps to get a second set of eyes into a lot of these facilities to sometimes, you know, encourage them to do what they already know how to do, but maybe they've just let it lapse a bit. So I, I think that's the good value of allowing that second set of eyes onto an operation. I get that there are biosecurity issues and we need to be cognizant and aware of that. But oftentimes that second set of eyes can really point out some really low cost things to do that will help that farm achieve more success, more profitability, better efficiency. Looking at your notes here too, Ken, you have a couple of different highlights written down, such as proper guilt selection, toe tapping and sows. And uh, I think you addressed most of the other ones, but can you explain or elaborate on those two points a yeah. little bit more? One of the things that we try to prevent is a lot of turnover on employees, right? Once you get somebody that's well-trained, like in guilt selection, you really want to hold on to those people because we need them to be well-trained at what they do. And then once they are trained, we really need to reward them for being successful and by improving sound mortality, in this case, what we're talking about today, through proper guilt selection. And uh, the toe-tapping example, again, it's mentioned just like Valerie said, you know, does anybody really know what they're looking at when a sow does that? Why is she doing that? And if they don't, then we really need to, to A, make sure that they observe that, B, know what to do about it. And then that's all about educating. And then once they do know, getting them to pass that on to the younger uh, or more new employees in the operation so that learning is an everyday thing on the farm and it's whether it's with guilt selection or just observing those sows that have a condition like toe tapping and Valerie maybe can elaborate on the toe tapping even more. Yeah so when you see a sow that she's been laying down and then she stands up and she puts her foot down and then pulls it back up and then she puts it back down again. That's what I would call toe tapping. And so sometimes it's because maybe that foot's asleep that she's been laying on, or it could be an early indication of something bigger and could be that first sign of lameness. And so if we treat her when she's tapping her toes, instead of waiting until she's carrying that foot, the chances of her recovering are much better in that toe tapping stage. So switching tracks here just a little bit, you're talking about a lot of pretty elaborate skills or skills that, as you've mentioned, aren't going to be developed overnight or aren't something maybe that everyone knows when, when entering into the swine industry. So how do managers or folks that are managing other employees or people keep turnover rate down and also just being able to recognize like, hey, this person needs a little more training. Maybe they're not familiar with what they're doing. How do you, what are some good indicators of, of being able to handle those problems? Oh, I don't know about good indicators, um, but everybody wants a job that um, they go to every day and they know that they're making a difference and that people show them appreciation for what they're doing. And, you know, I think 
being in the swine industry and especially at the production level, you know, what you're doing every day matters. You're helping to feed the world and making that connection to that really can help engage people. Um, the other thing is just, you know, the appreciation that is shown by leaders, by coworkers, really has a huge impact on how people perform and the simple thank yous and the, can I help you at the end of the day, even though I'm finished and could go home, they really go a long way to keeping people engaged and wanting to do even better at their job. And that's where, when we can keep turnover down, we can have a huge impact on performance and survivability even. Uh, because like you said, it does take significant time to learn all of these skills. And generally, the more time you spend doing a task, the better you get at it. And so if we're constantly turning people over, it's really hard to become proficient or even experts at those jobs. And when we aren't able to do that, we certainly have negative impacts on production. You know, reducing turnover is a difficult subject because a lot of times we're in competition with other entities in the area, whether it's livestock or other types of positions that compete from a, a monetary standpoint. I think we really have to continue to be flexible with our employees, whether that's uh, a lot of times that's flexibility associated with family issues. And if we can create that kind of family environment or this team environment at, at the farm level, I think that's obviously a good thing to do. And, and I think the other thing that we need to do is when we establish goals for the farm and have them try to reach those goals, we not set the goals too high because, you know, let's say they're in the bottom 25% of producers for some key productivity indicator trait and your uh, manager or maybe the owner wants you to be in the top 10%. Well, you can't get to the top 10% from the bottom 25 overnight. So maybe your initial goal needs to be, well, we're in the bottom 25. Let's try to get to average in the next six months or a year. And then once you're at average, let's get to be the top 25% in the next six months or a year. And then finally, the next step should be to get to that top 10%. And also make it so that all of that burden on achieving that particular key productivity indicator trait doesn't seem to set on a few or an individual people. It's difficult when somebody feels the blame, they don't feel part of the team. And so when everybody takes ownership in trying to make the team better, I think it's much more successful and you're much more likely to keep employees for the long term. Yeah, and I'd add a couple of thoughts there. You know, dangling that carrot out too far actually becomes a hindrance and you just completely lose motivation like Ken was saying. And so I completely agree with that. Make those goals realistic and get those goals, reach those goals, celebrate, even though that's not where you want to be at the end, but celebrate the accomplishment on where they came from to where they are now and then set new goals. I think that's so important. And then the other comment I have to add there is from that teamwork standpoint, you know, people respond even better to accountability from their peers than they do from their leaders. And so when the team is working as a group to achieve something, 
it's much uh, more likely chance of success than it being directed from just the leader and to a single person. Well, it's getting to be that time in our episode where we get to hear a few little take-home messages for something to think about moving forward. So I just challenge producers to equip their team members to be able to do the best job possible. And that starts with improving training and reducing employee turnover so that farms can see a significant improvement in performance. Yeah, I'd agree with, with those comments that Valerie just made. And I'd like to stress the more I'm in this business, the more I recognize that the people are the most important thing in our operation and whether it's successful or not. And hiring the right people at the beginning is so key. If you can find those people that have a passion for caring for livestock and you can motivate them along the way, I think your odds for success uh, increase dramatically. To reiterate what Ken and Valerie have both shared throughout the episode, people are important. As Ken pointed out, there are really three things to look for as an employee or as an employer. You've got to make sure that you've got great, keen observation skills. You have a little knowledge and know what to do next. And you have an action attitude. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the PigX Podcast. Be sure to drop us a review or rating on whatever device you're listening to this episode on and mark your calendars for January 4th when our next regularly scheduled episode will air. Until next time, I'm Delaney Howell and you're listening to the PigX Podcast. PigX is a national podcast hosted by the Pig Livability Project partners at Iowa State University, Kansas State University, and Purdue and supported by the Iowa Pork Industry Center. For more information on the project, head to www.piglivability.org or to inquire directly with questions regarding the project, email ipic at iastate.edu. PigX, ideas in the swine industry worth sharing.